Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blum and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am so excited to be able to introduce you to Tara Torrance, who is the biscuit lady. Tara, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. (laughs) No problem. Well, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. So, you know, reading your history and getting a little bit about what you do. And by the way, one of the the simplest pleasures in life is a really, really well done biscuit. And, you know, when you talk about making it with quality ingredients and love, that is really all that a biscuit screams. It screams love. It screams somebody cares for me. It screams, you know somebody loves me and, and took the time to make this simple thing so delicious. But you, your business is all about that. But you don't come from the world of bakery or biscuits and, and you know, you're not, you know, Southern hospitality. So tell our listeners a little bit about your journey because you came a very unique world to get to where you are. I did. I did indeed. So, um, so yeah, I do not come from the bakery world. I don't come from the food industry aside from bartending and waitressing experience here and there. Um, I come from a financial background, so I've done real estate for many years. And then prior to that, I did mortgages for a number of years. And, uh, you know, of course, although those things paid the bills and they were great for that reason and, you know, it was fun and exhilarating in certain different ways, but nothing like what food can do for your soul or what giving someone a great meal or, putting a smile on someone's face by, you know, handing them like their favorite meal can ever do. Right. So as I was kind of transitioning out of being a stay at home mom and kind of working my real estate business a little bit, I started to think about these things like, man, I'm getting close to 40. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. What am I going to do to, to change things? And not, not that I think like biscuits change the world, but in a way like right with smiles and happiness and things like that, I think food certainly can, can change the world and can really put, you know, uh, happiness into someone's heart. So as I'm sitting there thinking, like, it sounds a little cheesy, right? But as I'm sitting there thinking, uh, literally 14 months ago from now, 14 months ago, uh, sitting on the beach thinking like, what am I going to do with my life? Right? What am I going to do? And I started researching different ways to make food products from home. And so as I was doing that, I started thinking, wow, I make like amazing biscuits and I always have. So wonder if I could like start this biscuit business and just kind of see where it takes me. And as I'm sitting there, like talking this through with my husband, as we're sitting on the beach, watching our kids run around, I'm like fleshing it all out. And like all these details are coming to me. So as I'm sitting there, like, you know, you hear people describe a light bulb moment and I'd never had one before, but (laughs) this was a true light bulb moment for me. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. So that's kind of the beginning of my, uh, my story. And, and, um, how I got into it, I would say. Well, you know, you emphasize the idea that, you know, a quality biscuit is made with butter and love and you can't have too much of either in a good quality biscuit. And as a person who, uh, you know, lives by, you know, if two ounces of butter is good, four ounces is better. Um, <laughs> yes. I certainly agree with you. Um, you know, I, it has always been my nature as a chef and a baker at all to, you know, incorporate you know, lots of butter, but incorporate the best possible ingredients I can get my hands on. And that is something that you live by there. I mean, you used to find quality flowers, you know, you yes. use prime meats a little bit, but how did you go from this idea and, and, you know, with biscuits, something in your family or, 
You know, you went from I can make great biscuits to making great biscuits. <laughs> right. And we've kind of like went like local viral, I would say, in Philly. Um so yeah, I think it was just really like a lot of a lot of things kind of aligned correctly for me. One um, was a great product and my dedication to quality ingredients and knowing that this particular item was missing in the Philly food scene, right? Like there's biscuits here and there, but there's not biscuit shops, right? And I assume that as time goes on, there will be more biscuit shops that open up because certainly there is a demand for it. Um, but it's kind of cool that I've I've set the tone for that and I'm really proud of that. And uh, I think that just taking the leap from making great biscuits, right? I marketed myself in a local mom's group, uh, the Philadelphia Roxborough Moms Group and the Women of White Marsh Group, just like various different local, um, very tight knit moms groups that I felt comfortable kind of opening myself up to and just kind of trying out my business idea. And from the moment I started taking orders and baking from my small little kitchen and delivering locally, like it blew up. And when I say it blew up, like I literally couldn't handle the amount of orders that were coming in. And so it was that moment that I knew I had something really special. And so I decided to seek out ghost kitchens and different um, partnerships and things like that, that I could take advantage of, because as we all know, right, starting any business is a major financial commitment. So in my particular case, I didn't want to like take our life savings and be like, what are we going to do here? Right. Because my husband would probably not love that idea very much. Um, So we didn't do that. And uh, we partnered with uh, Lucky's roadside stand at Maniunk. They allowed us to rent space in their kitchen. And that's kind of how our idea took off. So uh, from the moment we opened, it's been a hit. There's been a line out the door. I think people can sense the passion in the food and, you know, just um, treating my customers like family. And that's uh, the foundation of this business is that we're never going to deviate from quality ingredients. We're never going to start adding preservatives or anything crazy like that. Like always dedicated to quality ingredients and excuse me, always dedicated to a very, um, pleasurable experience. Like we want our customers to absolutely feel like they're family because they are right. Like without your customers in any, any business, you just have nothing. So, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it took off. It's really, it's like I said, it's a lot of uh, right things lining up for us and it's been amazing. I, I really, I I'm, I'm in awe of, of how our business has taken off. So. Well, and, and you, really embraced the Philadelphia culture by doing, you know, a, a Southern style biscuit made with love and they're oversized. So, you know, for our listeners out there, these are not just your, you know, routine little biscuits that you're going to get with your dinner table. These are, you know, oversized biscuits, biscuit sandwiches made with quality ingredients, uh, you know, homemade jams, things like that. But somebody who's really embraced the Philadelphia you know, market. So my two favorite of your biscuits, um, right off the bat that I just fell in love with, uh, are the neighborhood John and the uptown girl, you know, that little play on Billy Joel and, and the city, but you know, in the neighborhood John, which is just that combination of spice and savory. Tell our listeners about both of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's funny cause the neighborhood John is, is my favorite as well. And when you, uh, speak about these sandwiches, like it brings a smile to my face because, they're creations that my team and I came together and um, and really came up with all the ingredients. Everything's made from scratch in our kitchen, even our pimento cheese on our neighborhood, John. So to kind of touch on the Uptown Girl first, we'll start with that one first. That was actually a sandwich that we were featured in um, the Philadelphia Inquirer for a few months back, which was really um, amazing to me being a brand new business. You know, they reached out to us directly and came in and tried our sandwich unbeknownst to me. And then reached out and said, let's do an article on the sandwich. Could it be Philadelphia's best and messiest breakfast sandwich? 
So with that particular sandwich, uh, it's a, it's basically our take on a fancy bacon, egg, and cheese, right? So we take the peanut butter, one layer, strawberry jam, one layer, and then in the middle of this huge buttermilk biscuit, we put a bacon, egg, and cheese. So you know, it's this it's this whole kind of uh, monstrosity of deliciousness, right? It's got the salty, it's got the sweet, it's got the bacon, it's got the egg and the cheese all on a you know, like I said, a buttery biscuit, and it's uh it's fantastic. And it's, it's one of our most popular sandwiches. I think a lot of people really love that melty peanut butter, that sweet and savory combo. Um, so that is our uptown girl. And yes, I did, as you'd mentioned, uh, Jean name it after the Billy Joel song, because my girls love that song. Uh, family is always, will always be is the most important thing to me. So, you know, hearing, you know, that song and thinking of my daughters and the fact that we had a fancy bacon, egg and cheese, we decided to call it the uptown girl. And in fact, all of our sandwiches on our menu have a very significant meaning. So it's not just the Uptown Girl, not just the Neighborhood John. Our original three sandwiches are named after very important women in my life. And then the Neighborhood John is named after basically the neighborhood, right? The neighborhood that has supported us, that has helped us grow into this amazing business. Um, We decided to call the Neighborhood John, which is the second sandwich I'll talk about, the Neighborhood John to kind of um, pay homage to the neighborhood and how they've supported us and really, I mean, um, spread the word and help us grow from this teeny little shop into what we are now. So the Neighborhood John is a sausage, egg and cheese. And we get our sausage from Carl Venezia, who's a butcher out here in Plymouth meeting, very um, high quality products, like the best you can get in the area. So we do get all of our meat products from Carl Venezia, including our sausage patty. We take that with our house-made pimento cheese. And for our listeners who don't know what pimento cheese is, it is somewhat of a I guess I would say a Southern kind of cheese from my knowledge. Very it is, southern. Um, yeah. it's Southern, right? Yeah. Yes. Sir. Um, it is cheddar, cream cheese, jalapeno, some various other spices that we put in there. We put cayenne pepper and just really, I mean, high quality, like basic ingredients, just like everything else that we have on the menu, but that is layered in with the sausage. So that gets a little bit melty on the sandwich, sausage, egg and cheese, the pimento, and then layered in between a buttermilk biscuit. Um, and it's, so it's got a little bit of a kick. It's got the savory of the sausage. It's got the melty cheese. It's, it's incredible. Um, so for anyone who hasn't tried that, I recommend those are our top two sandwiches in my opinion. And then our sales dictate that as well. So I don't know about Eugene, but I'm hungry now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 100%. You know, something I could, you know, my, my biggest problem in your business is going to be, I want one of everything. You know, right. I, I'm like that, I, you know, and I only eat a small amount of each, but you know, that's my style is like, I, you know, I like the grazing table kind of thing and to try everything and sit down and do that, you know, but, uh, just really, you know, the, the, the love, the thought that you put into it, the planning process, you know, the combination of business savvy with, you know, just wanting to create something unique in a city that is really not you know full of southern roots and southern flavors i mean you know we embrace barbecue and we embrace mac and cheese through you know the doings of like the lila winter through the years and other people but you know they were long hard cells and you know that is very cultural it's not necessarily the southern style so you came to a difficult city to do that you know i mean you know last week we had you know uh you know, the, the Atlanta Braves in town and, you know, we're, we're not really fond of, you know, places like Atlanta in the South. So, you know, we, we like <laughs> our Northern foods up here, 
But um, it's actually funny that you you of- mentioned the. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. I was gonna say it's funny that you mentioned the Atlanta Braves. Last week we had an Atlanta fan in, and I said, "Go Phils," you know, just in my normal nature, like, "Go Phils," right? And he unzips his 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 sweatshirt to show me his Atlanta Braves, and I said, "Well, I don't think I have any food left up there. <laughs> We're actually sold out," <laughs> which was not it's not my nature. But I was like, "No, we can't." I mean, of course. Now let's let's stop. I did serve him. I'm not that. <laughs> that crazy and that ruthless, but I was joking with him. I'm like, we, we can't serve you. You, you know, right. not with that shirt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, we are true Philadelphians. It's who we are. We, we live or, you know, we live and die our, our sports teams here. And we do that. Do you do any kind of specials other than what your regular menu is? Do you kind of get up in the morning and say, you know what? Let's do this. Let's try I, this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, so every week we're doing a brand new biscuit. Um, some, some of the biscuits are our like classic biscuits that we'll keep on our menu probably forever because they're just classic and delicious and favorites of many of our customers. Um, but yeah, a lot of times, you know, I'll get up and be like, you know what, I'm going to do a strawberry filled holy biscuit today. So we, uh, if you're not unfamiliar with it, we fry some of our biscuits. So we do a version of a donut, which is a fried buttermilk biscuit, and so sometimes we'll stuff it with strawberry jam or I'll make a ho- homemade custard and stuff it with that. Um, various different things like that. We'll do a strawberry shortcake, holy biscuit, or we'll do a chocolate ganache topped or a cookies and cream, just like various different things. And it is, it is just, as you said, like, you know, I realize that it may not be this way forever, but for now we're small enough where I can wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to do a chocolate ganache today, or I'm going to do a strawberry jam filled or you know, let's do like a savory holy biscuit. We've done those before as well. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's fun creating things like that too, right? Coming up with like new flavors and testing them out and seeing how our customers really like them and the feedback we get. So it's it's kind of neat because, um, you know, I am in the beginning stages of growing this company. We're only one year in. And as we continue to grow, um, it's like we've already tested these things out, right? So as we go into, we're opening a new location in Plymouth Meeting, hopefully sometime by January, when we open that location, right, we'll have our foundation set and we'll know, okay, well, these things really work really well. These things are fan favorites and they're just awesome. And like, we'll stick with these, but I do hope that, you know, for at least several more years to come, I'll be able to come up with creative ideas and just throw them on the menu kind of spontaneously because it's, that's the fun of it. Right. So I'm sure that uh, both Gene and I are willing to uh, be test subjects for you. Most definitely. Yes. I'll sign you up. (laughs) You're in. Well, with the holidays coming up, too, one of the things that you do is you do family packs of different things, combinations and things like that. So tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, as they come up to Thanksgiving and and what's available to them in that realm. Absolutely. So last year for Thanksgiving, and we will do the same thing this year, uh, we did uh, biscuits to go. So basically, our customers could purchase vacuum-sealed prepared biscuits that had not yet been baked. So you can just pop them right in your oven Thanksgiving morning, Thanksgiving afternoon, what have you. Your house, your house smells like, you know, freshly made buttermilk biscuits. Everyone's happy. You don't have to tell your guests that they were made by the biscuit lady. You can just, you know, hey, you have them, you made them. You don't have to say anything. Uh, we also do full trays and half trays of house-made macaroni and cheese, which is not on our menu every day right now, but hopefully in the future, that's something we can roll out. Um, and, and our macaroni and cheese is like knock your socks off. It's so good. We use a blend of many different cheeses. Again, everything is made from scratch. Uh, make like a bechamel sauce. 
it's incredible. Again, that's a take and bake situation. So we would prepare the entire tray, take home, bake it in your oven. We will also be doing a cranberry brie take and bake biscuit, which is incredible. The brie gets, of course, all melty inside the biscuit. The cranberry jam is house made. Um, So that is something that our listeners can look out for as well. And um, probably a few more little surprises that all kind of pop up like the week before Thanksgiving and say, you know what, we're going to do this this year. (laughs) So those three things that I mentioned uh, can be expected for certain. And then we'll we'll definitely throw some surprises in there as well. So you touch on a lot of Southern roots in your obviously the biscuits, but you also do a biscuit with a side of gravy. Um, where does that come from? I mean, you know, there are skills and and flavors that are handed down through generations. So, Mm -hmm. you know, where did you, what was your inspiration for your gravy or Southern style gravy that you do with the biscuits and such? So the gravy is actually, all the recipes are my own, but, um, my husband in fact comes from, uh, like a Southern background. He was from his family's from North Carolina. So a lot of the cuisine that I have made for the past decade plus kind of leans more towards Southern, right? Like I'll do like fried chicken, biscuits and gravy, biscuits, obviously, um, you know, grits, shrimp and grits, like all of those things that I think that although I'm not from the South, right? Like those flavors just kind of come together over time, the more and more you do them, right? Like it's just repetition. So um, I, I am a big believer that just quality and simplicity is the most important thing in many different recipes. So I think that even not having a Southern background and not having like been classically trained or anything like that. And just knowing that high quality ingredients, simple ingredients, like make the best dishes. That's kind of, I think why everything tastes so amazing. Um, Like we don't try to get like fancy with our sausage gravy and not to say that like sage is a bad thing. I do not like sage in my sausage gravy. A lot of people do. Some people do. I I don't. So we don't put that in. Um, It's just really just classic, just delicious, like basic ingredients. Um, so I think a lot of that just does really come from my husband's Southern roots, really. And just trying to be like, oh, I think I'll make this dish, right? Like that's how it is in the beginning of any relationship. You're like, oh, what what can I cook up or what can I make? And just over right. the years, like my kids love that cuisine. And I think it's just the food that kind of comforts our soul. And like, you know, uh, for many people really enjoy that as well. Well, we've come to the point in, in the show where it's time for you to tell our listeners how to find you online and in person and wrap this up but it's been a great pleasure. So if you can so wonderfully tell our listeners how they can find your incredible biscuits. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we are currently located at 5154 Ridge Avenue in Roxborough. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, the biscuit lady underscore Philly. And then our website is that's my jam three, number three.com. Um, Instagram is where we'll put out all of our flavors for the week and kind of let all of our followers know exactly what they can expect for the menu for the upcoming week. Um, and yeah, lots of exciting things to come. I'm looking forward to the future. Uh, so, so much more to come from the biscuit lady, but I, I really appreciate your time, um, and interviewing me and allowing me to showcase my menu. Our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we will be right back after this short break. Thank you. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I am very honored to introduce Nick 
Ciccone, who is the proprietor, the owner, founder of Two Two Moods, which is a spiked vodka seltzer. So, Nick, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Hey, thank you for having me. (laughs) No problem. Um, So I'm going to get into a little bit of history, as I always do with um, our guests, but I know that this is not your first run with a beverage company. In fact, your family history encompasses, since 1942, I think, um, uh, uh, food and beverages with, you know, so you have a long history in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. It's actually uh, 33, so since Prohibition, uh, really, that... uh, you know, my family had a beer distributor in, in South Philly in the Point Breeze section. Um, obviously, it's a little bit different because that would, you know, beer and, and you know, non-alcoholic beverage and Two Moods is a spirit-based product. But, you know, there's a lot of crossover. There is. And, I mean, I, I know with the his, given your history, your family's history with it, because I know that it's, you know, multi-generations that have, have run that location um, and the fact that it's still running and in the same location as it originally opened um, I, is is remarkable. Yeah, so it's actually still called Chaconi Beverage, um, although technically my family no longer owns it. But my dad does, you know, work there, kind of run the place, you know, multiple days a week. Um, so I think we, I think the family decided to sell it in about 2016. Um, which is around the time I was, I was graduating college. I had kind of some other career plans, which I, you know, went out and did, and then kind of a few years down the line came full circle and, and back into the, the beverage space I am. Yeah. And, and I did look up your, your history. I didn't actually find that you guys had sold it. So I apologize for not knowing that, but, um, <laughs> but I did also look up, you went to school for a lot of, um, bit, like you have a very strong business background. Yeah, so I, you know, undergrad, I, I studied you know, finance and management, um, which I never, you know, directly used uh, after I graduated. I kind of went more into the, the tech space, companies of various sizes doing consulting work, sales work, uh, and kind of product management work. Um, did that for a few years, ultimately went back to school. Uh, for a graduate degree, which was a, uh, a master's of engineering and technical entrepreneurship up at Lehigh University, which is, you know, provided kind of a great foundation for, you know, the kind of the whole startup experience of encompassing all aspects of, you know, creating a brand and, and, and launching it from scratch. And yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that that definitely helps with you doing all of that. So what actually inspired you to change, change it up? Because I believe you were doing, um, you were working at Ray's, which was like a nonprofit kind of um, social media app. Yeah, so I, I, I did that with uh, one of my best friends and he's still uh, working on it full time now. Um, but it was a social media app that it does donation processing, you know, connects uh, volunteers with nonprofits, uh, you know, for volunteer events, uh, whatever it might be. Um, but it just, you know, it was kind of just a, a point in time where I wanted to do other things and, and the timing of, you know, how things were going just made for a, you know, a clean and, and easy break. Um, 
but specifically get back to the beverage beverage space. Um, you know, I've always really liked the space, you know, because of my background um, growing up in it, I've just always been fascinated with, you know, kind of like critiquing brands and, you know, figuring out, you know, I think this is going to work. Uh, people are going to go for that, you know, both on the, the alcohol and the, the non-alcohol side. Um, but yeah, it was really just one of those things that I was always looking for opportunities uh, to get back into the space on the brand side of things. Uh, you know, worked on a few concepts that, for one reason or another, never fully brought to market or made any sort of legitimate moves on um, until I kind of came upon the, the concept of two moods and this new sort of spin on variety that I you know really decided like, hey, this is this is a worthwhile pursuit that you know I think has legs. Yeah. So how how did you come about like? deciding upon what exactly you were going to do the two the two moods literally chill or thrill um and you know formulating the the beverages as as they are currently yeah so the the whole kind of concept was that i think there's opportunity in you know playing around with the concept of of abv and, and levels of alcohol content because um, if you look across categories you know, someone drinking beer, they might have a few light domestic lagers um, and then switch over to an IPA, um, something a little bit, you know, higher in alcohol content, have one or two of those, and then maybe go back to the, you know, a Miller Lite, a Bud Light, you know, whatever it might be, depending on, on how they're feeling. Um, even with, you know, mixed drinks and like well drinks, hey, do you want a, a single or do you want a double? Um, so with two moods, for each flavor that we have, we offer a, a 4% option known as chill and an 8% option known as thrill, um, which creates a, a really fun kind of back and forth. Um, you know, we don't think we'll ever need 30 flavors. I, I think sales numbers tell us and just conversations with people tell us that they sort of know what flavors they, they tend to gravitate towards. Um, you know, so currently we have a, a black cherry, which is you know delicious. We have a pink lemonade. And we have our third flavor that, you know, should be coming out in the next couple of weeks here. Um, so I'll tease, tease that a little bit. Um, but as far as the formulation process, that was something I had never done before. That was a very cool process. I have a lot more respect for, you know, sommeliers and people who are able to taste something and, and fully articulate. And this has this hint or you need to tweak this. Um, but thankfully, I was able to work with, um, you know, some consultants that you know, are pros in this world of, of formu formulation and, you know, developing the right ingredient list and, you know, tweaking it this by, you know, me kind of just, you know, throwing up words like, hey, this kind of tastes like this and this kind of tastes like that. And they kind of understand and know how to tweak certain levels to, you know, get it to what our final final product came to be. I mean, I I don't know. I I've developed recipes before, but never with uh, beverages. But my uh, co-host, who's you know sitting silently right now, is is well informed on uh, fermented beverages. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't know if he has any questions or not. But uh, he's he's. <clears throat> he uh, has developed different like flavor profiles, and I'm sure that you went through 
a test, like a test section, like you were tasting it. And I mean, you're saying that you threw up words, but um, that's that's just a way to describe things. But like during the process, I'm sure you were like testing out, you know, each um, each thing that came off the line of like, oh, you know, I need this to be more flavorful or this needs to, to be, you know, simmer down a little bit. So what was that process like for you? Yeah, it was certainly much more... Uh organized and scientific than me just throwing up words but uh you know started you know like anyone would do just in my kitchen playing around with you know just ordering different flavors online i kind of quickly realized that with the tools i had at my disposal i needed help um so that's why i started working um you know with this kind of formulation company and that what that looks like uh was hey this is kind of what we're aiming for they would you know, send out samples. Uh, you know, the team and I would get on a, a Zoom call. You know, we 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 test them. You know, kind of talk about it. Then we would get feedback. You know, for each set of samples from you know close friends and family um, on a blind taste test, comparing them to kind of some other of our uh, competitors, mm-hmm. um, and and really just kind of narrowing in on how you know how we wanted it. You know, to taste, look, smell. Um, and I would say there's probably, you know, I don't know, eight or nine back and forths, um, kind of for like each of our SKUs to get it to to where we want, uh, which is, is a time-consuming process, especially when you're you're not physically located in the same spot. Um, you know, our, our samples at the time were coming from out in Chicago, um, so added some time to it. But you know, I was working with some some really smart folks, um, and I'm really pleased with with where we ended up. Yeah. And I know that you have in, in your history as well, like an engineering degree. So I'm sure that like um, that side of you, the scientific side of you is kind of like, you know, giving acc- accolades to the process in general. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so that, that that piece of my background um, is really kind of you know, product design type focus. So, you know, I don't want people getting confused thinking I'm, I could be like a civil engineer or anything like that. Um <laughs> But yeah, it, it certainly helped with the process of of kind of having a organized and um, you know scientific approach to starting at A and, and you know getting to Z. Yeah, but I mean the outcome obviously is a very flavorful, you know, approachable or you know for your chill, but like also fun for your thrill beverage. Um, Now, I know with the black cherry and the pink lemonade, um, those are two very popular flavors and easy, you know, go-tos. Because I know most people, if you you poll them, they're like, ooh, I like vanilla. I like black cherry. I like, you know, so I'm sure that you you polled people too on what flavors to go towards. Um, But because you have such a strong business background and like, you know, you have a history in in marketing to a certain degree, um, what was it like for you when you were launching? You know, the space, it's a tough space, um, but it's a fun space. I think the biggest thing of that I'm still, you know, figuring out, you know, we only launched this summer, um, early July. So this is still a work in progress, still figuring out what's going to resonate and, you know, what really is the best way to, to approach things. Um, but it's really been about what can I get the most, 
you know, how do I make every dollar stretch and get the most bang for my buck in terms of what I spend on, you know, any type of marketing or, or, um, you know, publicity type things. Um, so that, that's been, been the biggest thing. And a lot of that is coming down to relying on my network of friends and family that, you know, can help with design and I, the people I know that just know thousands of people and like, Hey, can you, you know, repost this on your, on your social media? Um, which as a new brand, you know, that's kind of the name of the game at this point. Yeah. Now, um, as far as celebrating your launch, you you opened in a iconically Philly um, <laughs> area, Kavanaugh's in, uh, in, in Philadelphia, which I, and you did a giveaway, which was, I think, huge. You did, you know, and, and I thought it was cute because you did a chill and a thrill. You did a spa giveaway with it along with, you know, uh, a chance to win concert tickets. So I think mm-hmm. that was probably appropriate for that. But um, when people kind of crack open one of your cans, like what what do you what do you look towards, you know, for them to like enjoy the most? The most exciting thing is when you know there's an opportunity to get them to try both of them. Um, because if you just try the four percent, like don't be wrong. I, I think our four percent chills are, you know, delicious, fantastic. You know, people like them. But to then compare it to the eight uh, percent, which our eight percent is a little bit less carbonated. Um, you know, people hear eight percent and they, whoa, way, hey, you know, easy there. But it it, it really is smooth. Um, there's not a lot of bite. So when they do the back and forth, it's like, hmm. Wait, let me try this one. Hmm. It, it's it's fun to see. Um, in a sampling sense, as well as just kind of buying behavior at the on-premise at bars. Um, a lot of times we'll see uh, customers try, they'll start with the chill or the thrill, they'll try the other, and then they'll go back to the one they initially started with just to kind of figure out, I can't I can't decide which one I like the most here. Um, so that, that part's been really fun to see. No, I mean, obviously cracking open your can and just drinking it as is, is, you know, going to be enjoyable. But like, have you played around at all and tried to make like some fun, like meshes of cocktails with it? Yep. And some of the bars that we're in, um, especially with the, you know, the eight percent, they kind of lend themselves well for you know, creating some sort of cocktail. Um, <laughs> my, my father-in-law, he, he likes to mix uh, the eight percent of the pink lemonade and the four percent of the black cherry so that way you get a you know a black cherry pink lemonade i i guess if your volumes right at six percent kind of averages out <laughs> that's cute and <laughs> and i and the thing the fact of the mat like you are a philadelphia based company like you you know you're you're born and raised in the area and you're launching in the area um do you have plans to try to expand to other place, other places, and can can people purchase or ship to other states with uh, with your your cocktails? Yes. So right now uh, we are just available. We're in about I'll call it like seventeen bars, you know, in Philadelphia, Conshohocken, in Delaware County, um, a few further out. We're, we're in like Beaver Stadium up to Penn State. Um, we currently, if you live in Pennsylvania, we can we can ship to your door. Um, we would like to open up, you know, online direct consumer to a few other states, uh, within the next couple of months or so. Um, but our main priority right now is to get on the shelf 
in the estate stores in Pennsylvania, um, which is a process um, in itself that hopefully by you know mid-November that'll you know we'll start with usually starting with ten stores for a Pennsylvania brand and allow you to kind of slowly and gradually you know expand out to more stores so that you know you just make sure that the the product is moving before we you know bite off more than we can chew. This is also awesome. yep, and then you know with obviously vodka seltzers. You know, it's a fairly seasonal drink, not as crazy as it used to be, but um, you know, before next summer, we would love to you know, have a little bit of a presence in New Jersey, maybe Delaware. Um, certainly regionally, I don't, I don't think we'll try and expand too quickly, too fast. Well, um, thinking on where people can find you, let our people know like where they can pick you up and, and find you in bars. Yeah. Um, I mean, just a handful of bars where, you know, JJ Bootleggers, uh, Kavanaugh's, uh, Rittenhouse, uh, The River Deck, uh, Kasha Hocken, we're out in, in Guppies, Franzones, um, Delaware County, uh, Dom and Mia's, uh, Maggie Mays is the, the Widener campus bar. Um, that's just a handful of spots. If you want to uh, visit our website, drinktwomoods.com, um, you, know, you can buy you know, two eight-packs, we'll ship it to your door. And uh, if you use the code GOBIRDS, all one word, that'll give you 10% off. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you so much for having me. This, this is great. And I look forward to your next flavor. Coming soon. <laughs> all right. And we will be right back after this short break. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-hosts Jean Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at WWDBAM.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. And I'm very happy to introduce you to Kathleen Lochel, who is the owner of Lochel's Bakery. Kathleen, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, hello, Kathleen. It's such a pleasure to have Lochel's on. Um, I live right in the area, so I'm quite familiar with Lochel's Bakery. And if uh, anybody doesn't know Lochel's, um, you know, you you are certainly in the minority and, and need to get out to Hapro and, and try some of their products. And this time of year, Phillies season, when you have your Phillies cookies yeah. and you do, you know, Eagles cookies later on, and then you do at presidential time your your cookies to predict the winner and all that stuff. Um, but Lotion's is this great little community bakery that has so many specialty products. I just love your establishment. Um, I guess you could tell by the excitement of my voice. So welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. I appreciate that wonderful introduction. It was very sweet of you. Well, it's, you know, it's all true. And, you know, getting to Hapro, Pennsylvania, you know, was certainly a journey for you guys. Uh, you know, you, you know, Lotion's goes back, you know, this is third generation, you know, you're, you're 70, you're 70, I guess, 1942. Uh, so you got, you know, a lot of years behind you. But you started out in Philadelphia and then kind of came up, if I correct, if I know the history, you came to Warminster, then Levittown. Yes. And you were really well established in Levittown. Uh, I grew up in Bristol Township, so I knew you back then. And then you had a devastating fire at the bakery. 
and uh, you ended up in Hapro, and now you are just you know part of the this, the fabric of the community here. Uh, tell us a little bit about the generations and how you you know who founded it and, and how you got to where you are. Sure, thank you. So my husband is actually the third generation owner. Uh, his grandfather was a baker in the Navy and cake decorated. So that's where it all started back in the 40s. And yes, the original bakery was in South Philly at 2nd and McKean. And then it moved to Warminster through um, an uncle purchasing it and taking it over. And then um, my father-in-law purchased it at auction because it went out of business and brought it into Levittown, Bristol Township, where... It, it was very well established and the fire truly devastated the family. Um, my husband and I had just started dating. We were seniors in high school and with lack of insurance money, they had to find an existing bakery that was for sale. So that's how it ended up in Hatboro. Uh, 2005, my husband and I took it over and we have far exceeded what our plans were, uh, what we thought we could do. And we're very happy in Hatboro, and we hope to be there for many years. It's uh, definitely a hard business. It takes a, a huge toll on you and your family, but we do love what we do. You know, it, and it reflects in the quality of your products and, and just the customer service that you get in in locals, uh, the community feel. You know, it's where people go for wedding cakes. It's where people go for the holidays. But, you know, you, you do some really wonderful, wonderful holiday things and things that everybody doesn't do. Like you do a George Washington cake and I'm pretty sure you're going to have to explain that to, to our yeah. listeners, but you also make an amazing Jewish apple cake there around the holidays. You do stolen, uh, you do the very hard to find, uh, sprinkly cookies, you know, you do so many things. And then obviously, you know, around, you know, the springtime when we're all getting ready to celebrate, you know, everything, New Orleans and everything like that. On Fat Tuesday, you guys do an actual, real Fosdot. <laughs> so yes. if you could take a minute and explain to our listeners what the difference is between Donut Day Donuts and Fosdots, as well as some of the other specialty products you do. Sure. So a George Washington cake is very old school. So you really have to love a bakery and know like old school baking to know a George Washington cake, which is a spice cake. And it has uh, chocolate fudge on top and one cherry for George Washington. Uh, we sell a lot of it. Surprisingly, we will never take it out of the store. I like to tell people that we are an old school bakery with a modern twist because when the third generation took over, we modernized a lot and introduced a lot. So the, you know, like Jew Jewish apple is a traditional cake, but it's so moist and delicious that we can't take it away. Um, donut day is different than Fat Tuesday, yes. So Fat Tuesday uh, is celebrated the day before Ash Wednesday. And I will tell you a little fun fact that that is our busiest day of the year. So people generally think it's Christmas Eve, but it is Fat Tuesday. Huh. So, so yes. So, so much so that we open on Monday now, the day before the actual holiday to keep up with the demand. So the, the actual Foshnot donut is made, our recipe includes mashed potatoes in it. So we are taking potatoes, boiling them, putting actual mashed potatoes into the dough. Um, whereas a donut doesn't have that, they're yeast raised. We also make some cake donuts, which are the thicker uh, traditional donuts, like a, a Dunkin' type of donut that you would put in a coffee. But the Fosh nuts are so wonderful. Uh, 
it's the longest line of the day. It's our busiest day. Um, it's also the hardest day to keep up with because all the teenagers are in school that day. So we have a lack of help that day. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, uh, it's fun. It's exciting. And I will tell you, probably about 30 to 40,000 average that day alone in uh, donuts, fosh nuts. Yes. Wow. I, the, the line, <laughs> you, you, you literally become the sensation of Hatboro. And for people yes. who don't know Hatboro, it is two lanes, one going each way through the center of town. Locials is situated kind of right in the middle of town. So the line goes up around the block and, and it's just an amazing thing to take part in that. And I just love the fact that you actually do a real Fosnot. You you know, so many people cheat and they do little things and I'm a purist. I, I'm a culinary history, you know, lover and, and I love traditional recipes. So when I can find a place that does a George Washington cake and when I can find those wonderful products, you know, I, I just gravitate to that. So I've had a few of yours in my career. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, I will tell you too, with the Fosh Nuts, I say to people, if you go to a bakery and they don't fry their donuts, don't buy them there. Like you need to have a fried donut. Don't, don't use a frozen donut. Get your awesome donut made on the premises. <laughs> well, that is, you know, something I, I need to reiterate with about your bakery. You are a scratch bakery and that makes all the difference in the world. You know, so many places today, it's mixes and, and you know, batters and things like that. And you are a scratch bakery. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying that as an observer, you know, looking in and being able to, you know, differentiate that as somebody who knows his way around the kitchen of the bakery. So, you know, I, I don't you know, know that from, you know, you telling me that I know that from, you know, looking in at the tasting the products, you know, makes Thank such you. a difference. We try. And, and in doing that, though, there's, you know, costs are involved, salary is high, but I feel that people who truly want that will support you and, and they, they know the quality. They know that all goes into our small business and they appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. You, I mean, you are so embraced up here in the community. Uh, you know, I remember going back to the last election when you were doing the cookies <laughs> for that. And, you know, you, and you have a longstanding <laughs> tradition of being able to pick yeah. the winner so yeah you know, it, it, I wasn't really it, it, happy it, it, about the last one I'll be honest okay. like I really thought we had the winner um but you know there's next year okay. and that's uh, right we, that's right I, we, we did if I'm correct yeah if I'm correct that that one was the first time you were not correct yeah. And if you ask some people, yeah. they say I was correct. Some people I wasn't correct. I don't know who's correct. We don't want to get in there. <laughs> but but uh, I know that we won as a small business. And that's what I tell people. Like We won in 2020 when we didn't even know if our bakery was going to continue. So selling those cookies truly saved us. I'll be very honest with you. And it provided jobs to people temporarily why they couldn't find jobs. So regardless of winners or losers, I feel that the bakery and the community won in that. So coming into this lovely holiday season uh -huh. that we have, tell us what's kind of in store at start with, you know, coming up, do you have anything for Halloween? And then we'll touch on, you know, obviously Thanksgiving and then you know, we're gonna we're gonna certainly talk about Christmas because you make it amazing stolen and and uh, you know that's a that's a hard product to get done right. Yeah, so right now we're like full force Phillies and Eagles. Like I 
we can't keep up with the demand of the Phillies and Eagles right now, which is a terrific <laughs> problem to have. Um, and then we go into Halloween and our most popular items at Halloween are cupcakes, cookies, and decorated items for parties and, you know, classroom gatherings, work gatherings. And this year, I finally feel that after COVID that people will start having those gatherings at work again. So that's a great positive. Then we head into our Thanksgiving um, and thousands of pies. When I tell you thousands, it's it's not even a stretch because we do like eight school fundraisers. So we're, we are really touching the tri-county area with some of these fundraisers as well. Uh, so our most popular pie is actually apple, little fun fact, over pumpkin. Pumpkin is second. And um, we also make great like breads and rolls. So it, it, there's so much for Thanksgiving, wonderful fall features. Then we go into Christmas. And yes, we do make a traditional stolen. People get it shipped all over. I'll put it back on our web store. And it, it, it's actually very delicious. People underrate the stolen. If you warm that up with butter, it is fantastic. Oh, I absolutely agree 100%. You know, it's often better the next day or, you know, it's a secondary thing just, you know, for breakfast and when we're in the kitchen, you know, preparing for next day's meals or whatever like that. It is certainly a way to go. And, you know, you're not without competition. I mean, you have a lot of other area bakeries, uh, you know, really has presence up here, but you know, they're, they're just not you. They're not that scratch, you know, wonderful bakery, but you know, you have a lot of competition in Hepro and you just seem to rise above and you know, really, become you you are part of the fabric of the neighborhood and the community and not just Hatboro but Warminster you know in this whole kind of you know Montgomery County Bucks County line right here um, you know my establishment is right up the road in Warminster and you know we have sent many a client your way uh, through the years and, and just you know, you have embraced that what's you know the 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 feeling is the holidays come and people come in. It has to be very heartwarming for you to see those you know, second generation now coming in and, and shopping in your business. It is. Um, I think what separates us sometimes is that I am very open and I'm on the social media and some people don't even like what I have to say, but I feel like you do find that connection with people. So I love our competition. I, I, I'm happy that they're there serving people that otherwise couldn't get to a local bakery. Um, but I do think that that does separate ourselves, our social media presence, and that I am just like, I keep going. I, even with my three kids who are all in the background, I just keep going and going and going. So that that um, definitely helps. Uh, you know, I, I love what I do, like I said to you. Um, I have a lot of competition. I love Hatboro. I want to stay there. For, you know, there's a lot of developing in Hatboro going on, but we're there to stay. And uh I can't thank the people enough. I can't thank you for sending people away and anybody else. I just, I love what I do. So tell our listeners a little bit more because in my business, we do a lot of this too. Your involvement with community fundraisers and things like that, how that works. You know, at, at my brewery, we do dine and donate nights often for area charities, but you do a lot of school fundraisers. So, you know, tell our listeners how that works and how they can benefit from you know, reaching out and, and looking to do 
you know, fundraisers like that, you know, staying away from the holidays, of course. Sure. So Thanksgiving, we do pies. There is a wait list because that's how many people want us, which again is a good have problem to have. Um, but then we do a pound cake fundraiser year round. They can do um, chocolate chip and vanilla pound cake. They sell that. We deliver it to them. They There is a small profit to them. Well, it ranges anywhere between like 25 and 40% that the nonprofit or the school organizations keep. And then we do um, at Christmas, there are some that do cookie trays and we can also create something for that organization that is, is custom to them. We've done that previously as well. Although people want Fashna fundraisers, that's just not something we can do. We can't keep up. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's funny because to do it right, it's actually a time consuming product. It's not a real you know, it's it's not a simple batter, and and it's a little bit more complex than that. So, yes, it it is funny, and uh, but you know, it it is only a one day a year thing, and and you know, I love when people say, oh, we should do that more often. It works, you know, it's so good. Well, it works because it's one day a year, and it's traditionally that one day a year. Well, we did make them the day after for Ash Wednesday this year because we had like some employees that were at college and they wanted them. So I put a post on Facebook and you can't imagine how many people wanted them. But yes, you are correct. It's once a year. And that's what makes them so special. I'm wondering. No, keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just wondering, like, do you need a vacation after it? Uh, so we had intended on closing Ash Wednesday next year because we felt the need for it. But um, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's are the same day next year. So yes, <laughs> we can't close next year. But um, nope. our intention after that is to close on Ash Wednesday after next year. Yes, it, it is just so overwhelming and wonderful that I, I, I have to keep the tradition going. So I, I'm wondering, as a Catholic, I could pose this question. You know, being that Ash Wednesday and, and Valentine's Day are right there, you know, we often find it St. Patty's Day, you can get a disposition for um, for being able to eat meat on St. Patty's Day when it's on a Friday and so on and so forth. I keep waiting for the, you don't have to give up sweets until the day after Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I'm more Catholic of, as well. Oh. Yeah, I'm waiting for that too. <laughs> well, and, 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 right, right. You know, so it'll, I mean, it'll we'll be... You know, we have, we have to get a little special thing going for that. For I that wonder if chocolate-covered yeah. strawberries would be excused since it's a berry fruit, you know? We'll, we'll try to work it out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we can, you know, we can, like like anything, you can always play with the rules and bend the rules and, uh, yeah. you know, do things like that. It was, it's know, what keeps us in business right. and different from everyone else. There you go. You answered the question. <laughs> okay. So, going short, um, on time here. Tell our listeners where they can find both your physical shop, where they can find you on social media, how they can get more information about the bakery. Sure. We are located at 57 South York Road in Hatboro, which I was going to say next to Gamberg's, but they're closing. But we are attached to Gamberg's uh, right in the center of Hatboro near the Produce Junction. There's parking in the back and on-street parking. We are very active on our social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And you can email us at bakery at lotionsbakery.com. And we'll be more than happy to help everybody with anything they need in the bakery world. Well, and for our listeners out there, one of the sweet ways to celebrate the Philadelphia Phillies and the Eagles right now, though, you know, the Eagles are a little, uh, you know, on the, on a, 
on the negative list today with a lot of people. But, you know, the Phillies are going strong. Is to go in and try some of the incredible Lucille's cookies for the Philadelphia Phillies and Eagles. And, you know, look forward to the holidays with you, I'm sure. Next time in the store, I'll say hello. Yes, um, please do. And, you know, get out and, and support local and support local scratch bakeries. And it's going to be hard to find one better than the Lucille's. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And tune in next week for a brand new episode of Food Farms and Chefs. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.